Welcome to InsureTalk, the podcast where we don't just talk about innovative ideas in PNC insurance. We talk with industry trailblazers about the big ideas they made happen and how they did it. This podcast is brought to you by Guidewire, the platform PNC insurers trust to engage, innovate, and grow efficiently. Visit guidewire.com for more information. And now, let's make it happen. Welcome to InsureTalk. My name is Laura Drabic, Chief Evangelist at Guidewire. In this special year-end episode, I'm revisiting some of the insurance trailblazers who've appeared as guests on my show. It's expert insight on InsureTech innovation, digital transformation, artificial intelligence, and a host of other technology trends to get us inspired for the year ahead. Enjoy. I'm talking with Devi Mahanti, Head of Product Innovation at USAA. USAA is renowned for fostering innovation in-house. Last time I looked, you have 800 patents and several hundred employees dedicated to innovation. Can you describe how your team generates viable new ideas? The history of USAA is innovation. This One of the things that you all probably nowadays use is, you know, when you get a physical check, you can deposit that by just taking a picture of it. That technology was developed by USAA. On the insurance side, another example. So we have this program today where your insurance policy pricing is tied to how you drive. And when you think about new product ideas, we do a lot of work around strategy and our future vision. So what we call disruption coming to the industry. What does the world look like a few years from today? Three years ago, if you remember, there was a lot of conversation around autonomous cars and how it might change auto insurance. And we presented a slide to the board where we we said as technology changes number one the auto insurance business which is the main business that USA has is probably going to decline as a business in the long run second thing we said is that we need to launch some new products to future proof USA from the potential decline in auto insurance but also meet our member needs we saw a lot of members starting their own businesses. We said, look, this is a great opportunity for us to get a new product into the market. And that's how basically we decided to bring a small business insurance product for our membership. With small business insurance, you took a greenfield approach. No legacy systems, no legacy code. Why did you take this strategic approach with this new line? Number one, it was a new product. So we didn't have actually the technology to do the product the way we wanted it. So we knew that we needed a new way of thinking and a new technology platform. On top of that, we wanted to have as much of a digital experience as possible. We wanted more agility so we could change things and we wanted speed. Uh, my goal is to get to market as quickly as possible. And I have a hunch that members will like something, but that hunch may be 80% right. It might be borne out by the research, but till I get to market, I have no clue if I've done it right. So the quicker you can make sure that a member is experiencing the product and is actually giving you real feedback, the better it is. So you want a platform that can be quickly adapted to take that feedback from the member and say, okay, I thought XYZ was going to work. Member has given me feedback that X doesn't work and Y and Z works, but I want to add A. I want the agility of being able to change that quickly. It was important for us to have a greenfield approach so we could just have a technology platform which is flexible, which can get to market quickly and meet our member needs and get feedback from the members as quickly as possible. So to get to market quickly, you took a minimum viable product approach or MVP. It's a product with enough features to attract early adopter customers and validate a product idea. Can you talk about the benefits of taking this approach? 
Number one, the simple product is the easy way to get out so you don't add a lot of complexity and do a lot of programming. We want to get to a product which is actually unique for our membership, but we don't know what are the needs of our members from that uniqueness aspect. So we wanted to get to market with an MVP quickly. We used a ISO based product, which meant that we basically took a product that is standard in the marketplace that can be easily approved by all of our states. As you know, insurance is regulated at a state level, so you have to get state by state approval. So again, going with the speed, if you could get a product that was already approved in a state that made it easy, but then get quick feedback from our members. And our going forward approach would be to think about how do we modify this product to make it unique to our membership? Because maybe our members are over-indexed in the photography business versus the real estate business. And then the type of things that they do within that business for us to create customizations that would be saying, okay, we're going to give you this extra feature that no other carrier in the insurance industry does. So the advantage of going with an MVP product was again, speed, lack of experience on our side, getting into markets as quickly as possible, easier to get our states approved. And then now the fun part begins where we get that feedback and then we go to a more robust, fully loaded product. I'm talking with Kylie Burtonshaw, Executive General Manager at IAG. Help us to understand why you are becoming a digital insurer. I think, you know, Laura, we hear it all the time. Our customers now expect things to be faster. They want it to be easier. They expect us to preempt their needs. And so we need to at least strive to get to where they want us to be and then ultimately try to eat that. You decided to digitize the entire backbone of the organization. What does this require and what is the benefit from doing this? Big decision for the organization. But if I reflect on where we've been, we have multiple legacy platforms, all mainframes of different age. Ultimately, just integrating policy and billing and claim center would definitely give us a step forward, but it wouldn't re-engineer us to a digital insurer. We'd still be tied to quite monolithic platforms. So ultimately, we are re-engineering not only the core insurance platforms or our systems of record, we are also replacing our systems of engagement and then also our systems of insights and then become a much more intuitive insurer to best meet our customer needs. Ultimately, we stepped back to the enterprise level and we actually said, what are the core capabilities to be a digital insurer in five plus years time? And it is that that has anchored us from both a people, a process and a platform perspective, and it's underpinned by our tech strategy. We're fully API enabled in this solution so that the movement between systems is much more seamless than it is around hardwiring into core systems going forward. So what is critical to the success of your initiative and why? Look, I will say above absolutely everything, you must remain business led. I think so many times we see programs start as tech programs. We focus on simplification, rationalization or replacement of core systems. But ultimately, let's face it, that Guidewire is a highly configurable system, we can really make it do anything. But to configure a product, you need to know the customer market. To remove the pain points, you need to understand your customer experience. To grow, you need to know the market segments. Ultimately, your technology needs to underpin your strategy, and it's not the actual strategy. And I think we lose sight in that so quickly. So stay business-led. Set your target operating model, because that is your North Star. Mitigate your delivery risk. Running large-scale programs is not 
not easy. So you need to make sure you've got buy-in across the end-to-end value chain, make sure your accountabilities are clear. And then as a program team, ruthlessly manage your critical path. If anything slows programs down, it's slow decision-making and blockers in your delivery. Thirdly, I would say modular design so that as technology accelerates and advances come, we're able to more easily decouple or replace or evolve component parts rather than the whole end-to-end stack. And agile culture, you need to have the flexibility in your roadmap to respond to the changing needs of your customers and strategy because over a five-year horizon, nothing will stay the same. I'm talking with Thomas Erickson, Group EVP and Group CTO at Top Denmark. Thomas, Denmark has one of the world's highest internet penetration rates. So your policyholders must have very high expectation when it comes to digital capabilities. Can you tell us what some of these expectations are and how you're addressing them? It's right that we have a high maturity of digitalized services in Denmark. And for sure, the customer's experiences are likewise high. They are all super tech users in the private life. They have iPhones in their hand. They simply expect seamless, fast, convenient services as they like to get from other industries, from other companies. And we are doing all we can to close the gap there. Some of the areas where we will see some changes in the coming years is that we will see more and more of our business model moving into prevention. We're working with preventing leaks to happen in the pipes in the house. We are putting on smart sensor technology that can sense when the leak is just about to happen. Then we can send out a service person that can fix the problem before before the water is streaming out in the house. Imagine now you can fly a drone and you can get a fast overview of a farm. What kind of buildings do they have? You can fly down and look, is there anything in the roof that doesn't look healthy? There's a lot of technology coming up now that supports us, let's say, taking better risk, giving the customer better service and setting the right price. For our listeners, journey mapping is a visualization of the process that a person goes through in order to accomplish some type of goal. For example, obtain a quote or complete a first notice of loss. Customer journey mapping helps ensure us gain insight into common customer pain points and helps you to improve the customer experience. So Thomas, how did you leverage journey mapping in your approach? We use journey mapping as an integrated part of the way we structure our development. So based upon the customer experience with our services, both as is and to be, we map out the pain points to understand how the customer perceive and experience our processes, both where we deliver pain to them and where we deliver value to them. And of course, if the pain points has no point, legal, compliance, or we have any other good arguments for having them, we remove them. All with the purpose of giving the customer a seamless and a fast and a convenient service. So if there are pain points and we can't argue why they should be there, we remove them. I really like how you phrase that. We look at areas where we're delivering pain to them and Mm -hmm. if there's no logical reason for them, (laughs) remove it. Top Denmark offers a complete product offering to its policyholders. You have auto, home, health, life insurance, and annuities. How are you creating a holistic view Mm. of your customers and their entire book of business? That's of course something we aim for to serve the customer as they are and not based upon products we have. So that's the big platform transformation we are in. Simplifying the structure and the platforms and the system below the surface, moving from seven to one legacy platforms. That's what we use Guidewire for. And on top of that, we put Salesforce as our customer engagement platform. And we do that on top of our other systems, our platforms and our product lines. So it's actually combine all the data we have so we can look at the customer from one point of view and we can do a 360 service towards the customers. 
talking with Val LaBarba, the head of digital transformation and change management at Farmers Insurance. So Val, conversational AI consistently rises to the top as a key industry innovation theme. Conversational AI allows the carrier to extend omni-channel service to mobile devices, provide digital assistance, deliver 24 by seven customer service. And 20 years ago, when I worked for a large carrier, if I had conversational AI, I would have been able to spend my time focusing on serving the policyholder, I believe, better. What is your favorite industry trend and how does this trend better serve your customer? One that I think is really big for me is all the virtual reality training that we've been doing. Think back when I was an adjuster, when I was doing an evaluation, I did it via recording of a video and I was you know, interacting with you, Laura, and then I got critiqued. Well, now adjusters pop on a helmet and they're virtually looking at a customer sitting across from them and they interweave emotions and really watch how they handle different situations. And that has really accelerated how fast we can actually get an adjuster out in the field. I distinctly remember walking into Farmers University where we held our vision sessions and was incredibly impressed with how every wall was utilized to the fullest potential to highlight farmers' mission, history, and customer stories in quotes. Why change what appeared to be working? What was the overall strategy behind your claims transformation? We introduced a new strategy called the single claim owner model. You have one adjuster assigned to your claims. If I'm involved in an accident, I don't have to deal with four to five different people. The single claim owner is the one who does all the interactions with the insured, and it makes it a lot more seamless for the customer and not having to remember who I actually needed to meet with on which particular aspect of my claim. And we didn't have a system that allowed an adjuster to fully utilize that strategy. Looking at a new claim system was what we really really needed to fully be able to utilize the single claim owner model. So when we did the evaluation of Claim Center, we were easily able to see that the system was able to flex enough for us to be able to roll out the step single claim owner model. We also did get claims adjuster feedback and brought them in to determine if that was the right strategy and approach. And it was confirmed that getting a new system was where we could really capitalize on the strategy. Was there any secret sauce to the approach that you just mentioned? The secret sauce, I think, really fundamentally was the relationship that we had with the Guidewire team as they were evaluating Claim Center for Farmers. What I loved about that is they looked under the covers of our claims processes, sat side by side with our adjusters to really immerse themselves. And so when they spoke in front of a leadership team to help socialize what Claim Center could offer, they spoke with the authority because they actually sat side by side and reviewed our processes. We'll return to all these great insights from past episodes of InsureTalk in just a moment. But before we continue, listeners, if you're enjoying this podcast, be sure to subscribe to InsureTalk on Amazon, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And you can rate and review this show on Apple Podcasts. It helps others learn about and discover the show. Now, this is Laura Drabeck, and let's get back to more expert insights from past episodes of InsureTalk. I'm talking with Stephen Van Bellaham, global thought leader in the field of customer experience. You believe there will be a shift from AI, artificial intelligence, to IA, intelligence augmented, where we will use technology to boost the power of our employees. You use KLM as an excellent example of a company doing this well. Could you elaborate? 
Yes. You know, many people believe that because of automation, we're going to replace humans by robots. And maybe we will, but I'm certain that the bigger benefit will be to augment the potential of humans thanks to AI. And that's what I call intelligence augmented. And what KLM does is in the field of customer service, they use behind the scenes software that dives into the customer service data and they translate that data into a mathematical model. And then a question from a customer comes in, like for instance, can you rebook my flight? And then the machine looks to the data from the past to suggest an answer for that human. But the answer doesn't go directly to the human. The answer goes to a service agent, someone who works in the contact center. And they see what the computer is proposing, but then they can play with it. They can personalize it. They can change the tone of voice a little bit, add some human touch to it and then they send it. But because of the computer-aided system, KLM can now answer more questions per hour than any other European airline can in a more personalized way. And the cool thing is that the competitor, they're like, how does KLM do this? And then the customers, they're like, wow, KLM must have better people than Lufthansa. This is wonderful. But Lufthansa and KLM, they have the same kind of people. They're both great. But the KLM people get the support from technology. And that's where we're going to see, I think, the first real benefits of artificial intelligence where you use it to boost the power of humans. It's like when you go to a hotel. I travel a lot and very often I go to the same hotels over and over again. Then I check in and then they ask me, hey, Mr. Van Belleghem, is this your first time here? It's a very kind question, but it's a question you should never ask. You should know that. Especially if you've been there six times, you're like, no, this is not my first time. It's actually my seventh time here. And you cannot expect that human to know that. I mean, they, they see so many new faces or they just started in the job, but you can expect the hotel tell to make sure that they at least have that piece of data available so that they can say, oh, Stephen, great to have you back. Welcome. Or, hey, Stephen, this is your first time. How can we help you to get to know the hotel? There's so many situations that I can imagine where a human could get support by a machine that it would be a pity not to look into this in in your organization. So, Stephen, what is one thing organizations should never do because it erodes the customer experience? Oh, there's so many things, huh? but mainly to summarize, it's, it's an overfocus on internal procedures. It's an overfocus on statistics. I mean, I'm, I'm a fan of measuring customer satisfaction and net promoter scores, but there are too many organizations that only focus on that and then you're dehumanizing your customer. And I think that's the most dangerous thing you can do. I think the challenge is for most organizations to get as close as possible to your customer, the real human, and make sure that as many of your employees, of your coworkers as possible, get direct feedback from customers because it increases the empathy. And if you only rely on statistics, then you are decreasing your empathy level in your organization. And, and, and I think empathy is going to be the most important skill to, to win in the next decade. On the flip side, how about one thing that is mandatory for delivering a differentiating customer experience? The, the most important thing here is to make sure that all your employees know how they can contribute to the success of customer happiness. There, there's still too many organizations that believe that it's only the frontline staff that can make customers happy. It's not. It's, it's a team effort. Everyone plays a role. Uh, people who pick up the phone, people who do the invoicing, everyone who's working behind the scenes eventually has a contribution to customer happiness. And I think as a leader, you need to look your coworkers and your team in the eyes and really tell them how they contribute. And the moment that they understand that, they're going to look completely different to their company and their business. I don't believe in the concept of internal clients. It doesn't work. There's only one client and it's the end client. And if you keep everyone focused on that end client and make sure they are part of that journey, then your success rate will be higher. 
talking with Irene Bianchi, president and CEO at Peel Mutual Insurance Company. Irene, so pricing, claims automation, and fraud detection are all current use cases for AI. Looking five years into the future, how do you think insurers will be leveraging AI in their enterprise? The key to AI is using it to deal with the mundane issues, deal with the, the process so that you can then free up the time of your adjusters, your underwriters to really concentrate on the business and letting the AI get through the stuff that is just the everyday. I don't see AI as a complete solution. I think it's complementary to the business. I think you always need to have people and knowledge base because not every situation is going to fit some algorithm. But I think there are enough processes and procedures that can be automated that we really need to start looking at that in a big way so that we can keep up with customer demand. People want things very quickly and they want it right and they want it done the first time. And I look at AI as being part and parcel of helping with that so that the super quality time that you need to spend with insureds or customers, you've got the time to do that because all the mundane stuff is already being taken care of. Customer journey mapping, role observations, and surveys help insurers identify areas for improvement in the insurance lifecycle. How did Peel identify the appropriate areas for improvement where AI could help streamline processes? Well, first of all, we went to our employees. So where, where are the real pain points for them? We then survey our brokers who we sell all of our products through. Uh, we have broker councils twice a year where we invite our biggest and most supportive brokers and say, okay, tell us where the pain points are. How can we help solve some of your issues? And then we also go to the competition. What are people doing that seems to resonate with customers? We can't sit here and think of everything by ourselves. So we take a look around, look at the industry and see what the competition is doing. And then also with different partners in the insure tech space, we're open-minded. So what's new out there? What can we try? Because we, we want to try different things that are going to help our customer. And the best thing to look for is where are those pain points? What's driving people crazy? And where are the solutions to resolve that? So where do you plan on leveraging AI next in the enterprise? Um, I think probably our next view would be to look at loss control. You know, we write a variety of different types of risks within the province and uh, loss control really helps you understand the risk, helps you see it, helps you really look at, you know, what are you insuring? So I think to look at the next phase is, you know, what can we find? that will help us with truly understanding a risk better so that we can manage our overall risk portfolio more appropriately. Talking with Robbie Shea, CIO at Grinnell Mutual. You achieved significant improvement in straight through processing. 80% of all auto policies are now processed without human involvement. How did leveraging Guidewire Cloud help you to better achieve your imperatives over, let's say, an on-premise or private cloud implementation? I'd say it allowed us to focus more so on adding business value versus running infrastructure. You know, upgrades are always a challenge. They're always hard. There's never a good time to do them. But I will say with the Guide to Our Cloud platform, we were able to do this faster than, at least in my experience, that I've been able to do on-premises. And over the long term, having that ability to stay current on software, take advantage of new features and functions, and be able to run your 
technology on the devices that people want, uh, you know, a key, key driver for us. And we believe over the long term that will help us differentiate and again, continue to allow us to focus on adding new capabilities, new products, new services versus having to deal with all of the upgrade process and, and the underlying infrastructure. Those are you know, the big things and some of them are obvious and more apparent, but a lot of them are actually behind the scenes and relate to our IT capability and, and how we deploy our scarce resources. So migrating to the cloud can be a profound transformation of your company's technology and talent. Robbie, how did you ensure you had the right people in place to support your transition to cloud? This has been a focus of ours since we started our journey to move to Guidewire Cloud. First, I'd say we are extremely lucky with our team. They are super engaged and very focused on driving business value. So the buy-in in terms of a technology platform that could help us do more of that was really not that hard of a sell. We did spend a lot of time investing and training, not only technology, but some process training around agile. The other thing we did and reasonably well is when we decided to partner with a system integrator and Guidewire, we use Guidewire a fair amount for our initial implementation. We made sure we thought about a mentoring model and we actually had capacity specifically set aside to make sure that we were getting cross-training, getting that mentoring. And I think that helped us. It'll not only help the short term because it built some confidence of our own internal people around the technology, but it's going to pay us dividends longer term as we run this entirely ourselves. In this episode, I have the privilege of interviewing Shane Cassidy, EVP Global Insurance at Capgemini. Shane focuses on the enablement of transformational strategies through technology and operations for leading insurers. To measure success of a transformation initiative, I have seen carriers use financial metrics such as DWP and stakeholder measurements such as agent, employee, and consumer satisfaction ratings. How do you recommend carriers measure the success of their transformation initiatives? The standard measurements are good, but it's more about the process. It's what happens is you get into these programs, and these programs can be one, two, three years of transformation. And unfortunately, after a certain amount of time, you get so focused on the technical execution and you lose track of what you were measuring from the beginning because it's all about budget and deployment or what you plan to measure in the beginning may not have as much business relevance as what you're looking for in the end. We've created a solution called VRO, Value Realization Office, whose job is to work with the customer and actually build that capability into the organization so that they are constantly looking at what is important to the business and how is this platform going to deliver against our business needs? How do you extract the value out of the investment we're making? Because you can make the investments and not necessarily extract the value. Have you changed your business? Are you driving different metrics into your organization? Are you setting expectations around roles and responsibilities so that you're getting the benefit of the changes that you're making. And I think customers are really starting to focus here on measurement and the benefits of the investment. And, and again, I think it can change. Obviously, you know, you can measure combined ratio and the agility of the product, pricing accuracy. I think you, you start to look at different measurement opportunities based on the technology you've actually implemented. According to Oxbow's latest report on glacial shifts in PNC value, independent agents will steadily increase in value up until the year 2030. 
You know, this makes sense due to economic reasons as well as growth opportunities by providing carriers with access to existing distribution channels that independent agents have. How are you seeing carriers address independent agents in their transformation strategies? It's a great spot for the insurers. I don't think there's a consolidated view of how to do it just yet. I know it's going to wrap around data, service, simplification for them. You know, how can we provide more enterprise level data for the independent agent and really help them provide the services that allow them to focus on what they want to focus on, which is selling and and making commissions while still driving customer sentiment through the roof. Everybody also wants to have a direct channel as well, but the independent agent market and capability is not going anywhere soon. And in the insurers are largely focused on figuring out how to bring them a better, simpler, more effective service in, in very much in a predictable way. I think, you know, these folks are spending their time in the market, but they want to do it with more data than they actually have internally. Yes, they have information in their marketplaces, but the insurers have far more and they, they have the ability to enable them to be much smarter about what they do and almost bring business to them. And I think that's what a lot of the insurers are focused on figuring out how do they do that more effectively than they are today. Working for a tech company, I see cloud as important to our industry because it provides carriers with access to leading edge infrastructure without the operational overhead or capital expense. And cloud software provides carriers the flexibility to rapidly prototype and deploy new lines of business as well as services. Shane, why do you think cloud is important to a carrier and also to our industry? You know, I talk about this all the time internally, the focus on, on cloud and its importance. I almost feel it's the purest truth is that the future will be data-driven and agile in every way. You know, the products will evolve faster and faster, pricing more individualized. The sense of data will become ubiquitous to lower the risk and embedded insurance is inevitable. And I personally don't see a path toward achieving that without cloud at the center. Cloud is the enablement underneath that allows all of these things to happen at speed. I'm not seeing many customers who haven't fully bought into cloud is our future. It is about converting not just your current strategic applications into the cloud, but you have to actually convert your legacy applications into cloud enabled so that you can get access to that data. You got to move your data into the cloud to allow for far better usage and complete use of that data. So to me, cloud is a done deal. It is core to what the future of insurance will be. So much good stuff there. I hope you've enjoyed this special episode of InsureTalk. And if you haven't already done so, I hope you'll subscribe to InsureTalk on Amazon, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, this is Laura Drabik saying thank you for listening. In the year ahead, I look forward to bringing you more expert insights that show us why insurance industry innovation isn't just about ideas, it's about making ideas happen. This podcast is brought to you by Guidewire, the platform PNC insurers trust to engage, innovate, and grow efficiently. Visit guidewire.com for more information.